Welcome to Angus Beef Bulletin Audio, a hands-free ABB extension. Thanks for joining us. I'm Casey Brown, Managing Editor of Audio for the Angus Beef Bulletin. These are the three new management articles in the October 4th edition of the Angus Beef Bulletin Extra. You can find these online at angusbeefbulletin.com extra. And always, if you've got questions or concerns, please let us know at abbeditorial at angus.org. All right, our first article. A unique way to enable young people to get started in the beef industry. Dry lotting cow cough pears and grazing crop aftermath offer opportunities for the eager by Heather Smith Thomas. The late Terry Klopfenstein, who was a professor at the University of Nebraska for many years, started a program to help prepare graduates for future roles in the beef industry by providing hands-on experience as well as classroom work. During those years, he realized there are some great possibilities for young people to become involved in cattle management. In many regions of the country, we have lost thousands of acres of pasture land to corn production. Grass for summer grazing is harder to find, and there is a tremendous amount of corn residue going to waste that could be used as cattle feed. In many instances, there is so much residue left in the field that farmers have to do some kind of tillage to get rid of it and incorporate it into the soil or shred it so the subsequent crop will grow through it, he said. If cattlemen could make use of some of that material by grazing or other harvest methods, it would help the farmer and add another source of forage for cattle. There is a great opportunity for young people to be involved in this process of moving cattle from ranch land to cropland for winter grazing, he observed. That young person would not have to own the cattle or the land, but simply manage it. This scenario could work nicely in farming areas where there is a shortage of pasture during the summer. There are now opportunities for cow-calf pairs to be in a feedlot in summer and grazing corn stalks in winter. Young people could be involved in this, either working on their own or as an employee of the feedlot, taking care of the cattle in either location, he suggested. They could be helping calve during summer in the feedlot and manage the pairs out on corn stalks in winter. There's a growing need for something like this. Young people could be the flexible managers to help make this happen, doing something that neither the farmer nor the feedlot manager or rancher is able or willing to do. We can't move the cornfields to the ranching areas. We have to move the cattle to the cornfields. Once you move the cattle and the rancher is not there to take care of them, he needs a dependable person to do it, Klopfenstein reasoned. It would entail fencing, such as temporary electric fencing, and figuring out water sources to make it work. Ranchers often don't think in terms of using electric fence on cornfields. Corn farmers would think it's a nuisance they don't want to deal with. Yet, I know producers who routinely fence thousands of acres a year, moving electric fence daily or multiple times a day to strip graze or mob graze. It's just a different mindset, he said. Every challenge could be an opportunity. My students realized they could learn how to do something like this and manage the cattle, he said. Sometimes older people don't want to change or try new ideas, but young people can be encouraged to think outside the box. This is why it's so important to get young people involved and turn them loose with some guidance, he said. We want them to keep an open mind, to be able to try something and see how it might work. Maybe start on a small scale and go from there. They need to be open to possibilities, he said. Managing cattle for someone else could be a way to get a start in the beef industry that might open the door to other opportunities. Editor's note, Heather Smith-Thomas is a freelance writer and cattlewoman from Salmon, Idaho. Aiming for excellence. Targeting the brand helps identify quality herd sires by Lauren Mosier with Certified Angus Beef. With more data than ever on today's sire prospects, bull customers expect progress. 
Decisions Angus breeders made long before the gavel drops provide confidence and deliver on those anticipations. The use of the Targeting the Brand logo in sale books helps both commercial cattlemen and seed stock producers advance their herds and orient them toward the certified Angus beef brand. To earn the logo, registered Angus cattle must have a minimum 0.65 marbling expected progeny difference and a plus 55 grid dollar value index. This makes it easy to identify bulls with added carcass value that could potentially add more dollars to your bottom line. Missouri Angus breeder Josh Worthington has used targeting the brand since its launch in 2017. It's a free and easy tool for his customers to quickly pick out Angus cattle that meet certain carcass quality goals. Our program's built on the same metrics as what targeting the brand drives, he says. Last year, 71 bulls, or 97% of those in the Worthington Angus sale qualified. Across the United States in the fall 2021 and spring 2022 sale seasons, more than 180 sales used the logo on 6,719 bulls, up from 5,872 a year earlier. Those results show in the growing CAB acceptance rate, currently at 36% of black-hided cattle and aiming for 50%. More than just a marketing tool for seed stock producers, use of the logo ensures commercial customers they're choosing bulls more likely to meet goals at the feed yard and packing plant. This provides comfort to prospective buyers who are looking to purchase calves that will hit a high-end grid premium, Worthington says. They have confidence when they know their set of feeder calves are sired by bulls that meet the specs for targeting the brand and have the genetic potential to make certified Angus beef. Commercial cattlemen communicate the premium value by marketing Angus sired feeder calves through Angus Link. Enrolling them in the program's genetic merit scorecard conveys a genetic snapshot based on the herd's breeding history by assigning scores for beef, feedlot, and grid potential. Groups of calves can be marketed using the Targeting the Brand logo if they earn a grid score of 125 plus and are sired by Angus bulls with a plus 0.65 marbling EPD or higher. Genetic merit scorecards scores range from 0 to 200, with 100 being the industry average. The higher the score, the greater the potential for any group of calves. This lets buyers consistently choose cattle that have documented information on how calves may gain and grade. In the feeder calf world, we're trying to capture value ahead of harvesting those calves, Worthington says. Anything we can do to bring in those cattle and differentiate them within the marketplace helps. With the primary responsibility of helping customers realize more value for better carcass genetics, he invests in opportunities for customers to better understand EPDs and their effects on carcass quality. We're not here to just sell them a bull. We're here to sell them a bull that meets their needs and then recoup the value of that investment in genetics, Worthington says. Bull buyers want all the information they can get to back up their decisions. Feeder calf buyers feel the same need for confidence when they bid, he says. Targeting the brand provides that security, Worthington says, and we are able to build greater trust with our customers. Sidebar, make the most of targeting the brand. Question, are cattle that meet targeting the brand requirements automatically considered certified Angus beef brand qualifiers? The answer is no. No live cattle qualify for CAB. To be eligible, cattle must be predominantly black-hided and sold through a CAB licensed packing plant. Earning the brand requires meeting all 10 of the brand's carcass specifications, as determined by a USDA grader. Question, if a bull meets targeting the brand requirements, can my customers use the targeting the brand logo to market their feeder calves? The answer, 
Feeder calves must be enrolled in Angus Link for the Genetic Merit Scorecard and have a 125 plus grid score to tout the logo. Visit angus.org slash angus.link for more information. Editor's note, Lauren Mosier is a communications intern for Certified Angus Beef. Rejuvenating depleted soil with cover crops and livestock. Tips to increase pasture and cropland productivity by Heather Smith-Thomas. When you want to rejuvenate tired fields and restore balance to the soil biology, you need to put more carbohydrates back into the soil to wake up the soil microorganisms. This results in healthier soil and more forage. When you get things back into balance, everything else falls into place, says Kevin Elmy of Friendly Acres Farm, East Central Saskatchewan, Canada. He often consults with producers regarding ways to improve pasture production and work on regenerative management systems. He often presents at winter meetings devoted to cover crops and soil health. Elmer recounts an example presented by Jay Fuhrer. He told a story about a family farm and said Grandpa was a great farmer. He could throw any kind of seed at the ground and get a bumper crop. The dad was also a pretty good farmer, but not quite as good as Grandpa, but he had good crops. Their son, however, was struggling to make it work. Purer, a soil health specialist for the Natural Resources Conservation Service, explained it all ties to carbon in the soil, Elmick explains. Grandpa had high carbon, Dad had media carbon, but by the next generation it was dwindling. It's important to manage the carbon. Elmy recommends comparing the soil in the field or pasture to the soil in the fence line. Notice the depth of the A horizon, the darker top part of the soil, usually darker due to higher organic matter. What does the soil aggregation look like? Noticing differences in the two soils will indicate whether your soil is coming or going and whether you're inadvertently overgrazing or mismanaging the grass. In Ohio, it's estimated about 50% of the carbon in the soil is gone compared to what it was prior to breaking it up for farming. I think the numbers in Saskatchewan would be similar, says Elmy. He references author David Montgomery, a geologist from the University of Washington, whose book, Dirt, the Erosion of Civilizations, claims basically every civilization that grew and then collapsed failed because their soils fell apart from overuse and were no longer fertile. One of the interesting cases is the Persian Empire. This early civilization in the Fertile Crescent in the Middle East, between the Tigris and Euphrates rivers, was where several early civilizations flourished thanks to fertile soil and irrigation from the rivers. Early farming efforts and advances in agriculture blossomed, enabling civilizations to grow in both size and complexity. This area is now Iraq and Iran, and mainly desert, due to the way those early farmers mismanaged that soil. The Aztec civilization in Central America did the same thing. Soil deterioration also happened in Greece and Rome, says Elmi. In North America, we are currently in the same process, creating bacterial-based soils, which are addicted to inputs. He says he thinks of ranchers not as cattle producers, but as grass managers. Ranchers grow grass to feed cattle. Cattle are the best tools for managing the grass and for solving the problems of overcropping on a farm. Fuhrer illustrates ideal grazing by taking a grass plant and balancing it on his finger. Once it's balanced, he says, there's 50%, and that's what you should be leaving when you graze. Feed tests Fuhrer has taken from the top 50% of that plant versus the bottom show that the top half has superior feed values, says Elmi. If you're taking just the top half, the best nutrients, and leaving the bottom half to enable that plant to fully recover, and recover more quickly, you'll have better feed quality for the cattle and more production from the cattle and the pasture. 
and the farm. Another grass expert, says Elmi, Clayton Robbins, discourages the grazing of perennial forages in August, September, or October because those plants are trying to set up for overwintering. He recommends using annual crops during this period to fill that gap. They won't overwinter, and you can graze those acres very hard, he says. The challenge for many livestock producers, says Elmi, is they don't grow crops. Many farmers don't own cows and don't want to own cows, but livestock can benefit their land grazing at the right time to help improve soil fertility. I haven't seen many livestock producers who are long on feed, so this is a great opportunity to partner with someone who grows crops, says Elmi. Partnering with someone who does can be a win-win situation. If you can find a farmer who wants to diversify his cropping system and reduce the chemical load on the land and reduce the fertilizer needs. Cattle solve many of the issues we face in modern agriculture. The cattle do the trampling and leave litter and natural fertilizer, Elmi says. On our farm, we haven't bought nitrogen for 15 years and haven't bought any phosphate or potash for several years. By having cattle on the land at the proper time, my inputs for growing crops are greatly reduced and farming is fun. Editor's note, Heather Smith-Thomas is a freelance writer and cattlewoman from Salmon, Idaho.